0: Good morning, Heavenly Father. This is a day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. With gratitude, we thank you for preserving our life for one more day. With gratitude, we thank you for your ultimate gift of love for us in the form of your son, the sacrifice of his life on our behalf. Because of this overwhelming gift that we often cannot comprehend, We humbly submit to you. Gracious Lord, teach us your ways now, that we may rely on your faithfulness. Teach us to number not only our days, but also our hours today, so that we can use our time wisely for your glory. In the precious name of our Redeemer, we all pray. Amen. Let's read again the Second Corinthians chapter 5, 16 to 21. one. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 16 to 21. So from now on, we regard no one from worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, new is here. All this is from God be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Yesterday we examined and the parsed the 2 Corinthians 5.17, especially in Christ, God made us new creations. Today we will continue to theologically parse verse 18 and 19. These two verses are actually repetition of the same statement. Verse 17, God reconciled us to himself through Christ. Verse 18, God reconciled the world to himself in Christ. Now, God's reconciliation through and in Christ is something very familiar to us. We evangelicals take this truth to the core of the gospel and our theological declaration of independence. It is our spiritual constitution. Well, today, I want us to really carefully read this well-known statement and reflect on it seriously. Because as you will see soon, many evangelical Christians and orthodox Christians often misread it. Misread it. How? Instead of that God reconciled us to himself through Christ, Many often read it as if God reconciled himself to us through Christ. What's the difference? The object of a reconciliation becomes a different. To reconcile is the verb. God is the subject and us is the object or direct object and the, to himself is the indirect object. Apostle Paul was absolutely clear on this. God reconciled the world to himself, not himself to the world. The direct object of a reconciliation is not God, but us, meaning that we are the guilty party and culprit that caused a broken relationship to God, not the other way around. It is us who don't love God and left him for our self-seeking life like the prodigal son. Thus, it is us who need a reconciliation, not God. God is perfect, full of glory and power, without us, even without any reconciliation. God doesn't have to reconcile himself with us or save us for himself. Nothing can add God's glory. Nothing can increase his perfection. Otherwise, he's not perfect. Yet, some evangelical Christians Misconstrue the atoning death of Christ as a God's solution to his own needs. Let me explain this clearly and carefully. I know this theological clarification or parsing can be too heavy to some of us or seem overanalyzing to uh, many, especially in the morning. By the way, I got up at 4 o'clock this morning to prepare this because I wanted to have a clearest mind to give a shot. So please bear with me, and I beg your undivided attention for next five minutes. We must understand the clear meaning of God's reconciliation through Christ in order to really appreciate His amazing grace and saving love. Some Christians say that God is a holy and just, as well as a merciful and compassionate. God's holiness demands sinners to be judged and punished. But God's mercy desires to forgive and rescue sinners. Thus, the cross of Christ satisfies both God's holiness and mercy. Although everything just said was in the Bible and true, and I believe with all of my heart, but there is one important caveat, a very crucial caution, that is, Christ did not die to satisfy God's justice and mercy for God's own need. Death of Christ was not to solve God's internal problem caused by his need for justice and need for love. If you take the atoning death of Christ into reconciliation of a God's seemingly opposing attribute, you are turning the table totally upside down. You are providing the most gracious act of God's love to the most gross self-serving crime. Yes, the cross of Christ becomes a crime of God the Father to the God the Son, and the concept of a perfect loving relationship called Trinity is completely thrown out. Because if Christ died to satisfy the Father's Father's you know wrath, if that's how you just explain. Only God the Son is a good God and God the Father becomes a vindictive God. Here is a shortcoming of a so-called satisfaction theory of atonement. And this is why feminist theologians call it divine child abuse. And they warn us that such misreading of Christ's atoning death can lead to justification of victimizing and oppressing the weak and the poor and powerless in the community. In that sense, the current you know, racial divide in the church is actually attributed to this kind of wrong understanding of a Christ's atoning love. Now, that's not how we should understand the satisfaction theory of atonement. What God satisfied is not his own need, but need of the sinners who are completely helpless and hopeless without divine intervention. We must understand God's holiness and mercy are not the opposite independent characters of God, but they are the interwoven characters of a one God who is same yesterday and today and forever. There is no justice without mercy, for such a justice is nothing but a sure terror. There is no mercy without justice, for such a mercy or mercy without justice is nothing but a sentimentality and spoiling love that harms the beloved more than helping him. What God satisfies is our need for reconciliation by casting out demon of our shame and canceling out the debt of our guilt with the self-sacrifice of Christ. That's why Paul clarifies here, verse 18, all is from God. And verse 19, God reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That's why Paul is using the language of a new creation for salvation. God does not need to create anything new for himself, for he is already creator, perfect sovereign king. New creation is for us, and God is only one who could provide the miracle of a new creation, a new relationship. Miracle of a new relationship called reconciliation for us. Therefore, let us recognize this precious gift of God's reconciliation for us in Christ. Our commentator, our biblical commentator said this. There is no reconciliation when one side is willing to put the past behind them and the other side merely take advantage of it. Reconciliation requires both sides to acknowledge the wrong. And for the injured part to let go of the pain, God has confronted us with our own transgression but has taken the initiative in Christ to resolve problems that they have created. God has let go of the pain of our willful rebellion and does not count our trespasses against us. But it remains for us to accept that we have done wrong and to repent of it and to accept God's offer of friendship. Dear brothers and sisters, God's reconciliation came out of his heart for our need. Let us remember that's the meaning of God's grace in reconciliation. Let's pray. Gracious heavenly Father, your love is so deep and so high that we often lose our sense of direction in it. Today we learn that you reconciled us to you, not yourself to us. As as we recognize our responsibility for the ruptured, broken relationship with you, help us realize how much you love us and love to reconcile us to your unchanging heart Through your Son, on this Independence Day weekend, we want to declare our deepest gratitude to your undying love and dedicate our days to depend on you every hour for the glory of your only Son and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen.